The pandemic is costing Illinois State University an estimated $46.2 million, officials say. The state's largest pumpkin is touring central Illinois at over 1,000 pounds. This is one great pumpkin story that Charlie Brown would be proud of. Stay tuned for these stories. I'm Sierra Henry. And I'm Annalisa Trofimuk. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Every week, we recap Central Illinois news covered by Lee Enterprises journalists in Bloomington, Decatur, and Mattoon. First, we are going to take a look at general election news. The second presidential debate was canceled after President Donald Trump objected to the virtual format announced by the Commission on Presidential Debates put forward after Trump's positive coronavirus diagnosis. Joe Biden and Trump decided to host town halls instead. Those took place Thursday evening. You can find more information about how each of those went on our websites. Two-term Republican Congressman Darren LaHood of Dunlap and Democratic challenger George Petrilli, an attorney from Springfield, are squaring off in the upcoming 18th Congressional District election. As the election heats up, Panagraph reporter Lenora Sabota spoke with both LaHood and Petrelli on several key issues, including health care, the economy, and the COVID-19 pandemic response. Check out her in-depth report on LaHood and Petrelli's key talking points at Panagraph.com. Across the three news websites, I posted takeaways from a Tuesday evening debate between U.S. Rep. Rodney Davis and Democratic challenger Betsy Dirksen Londrigan. The candidates running for the 13th Congressional District in the November 3rd election debated Tuesday over gun violence, a federal relief package for those hurt financially during the coronavirus pandemic, support for Central Illinois farmers, and more. The event was hosted by WGLT along with several co-hosts. Lee Enterprise's Central Illinois editor Chris Coates was on the panel asking questions. You can check out summaries of what each candidate said Tuesday at any of Lee Enterprise's Central Illinois news websites. And while we're on the subject of Illinois races, I want to mention something that Lee Enterprise's Central Illinois editor Chris Coates put together. One of the major questions Illinois voters will answer on November 3rd will be on the ballot statewide, whether to amend the state's constitution to allow for a graduated rate income tax. Now, across our three news websites, voters can find a succinct explanation of the amendment, the accompanying rate legislation, some of the arguments being made, and who is funding the advertising campaigns for and against it. You can find this at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Also, while you're there, check out our subscription options so that you can stay informed on the most recent happenings with the election, local government, sports, community events, and more. Our subscribers are actively involved in supporting local journalism. Their support helps me, Sierra, and all of the Enterprises journalists highlight important stories in central Illinois communities. Scroll to the bottom of any of the websites I mentioned earlier, which are pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com, and click subscriber services. Thank you so much. Now let's get back into today's episode, starting with local government coverage. The Coles County Board heard demands Tuesday for dismissing a charge against a man accused of beating another man he reportedly found inappropriately touching himself in front of children. A Coles County resident has opened a fundraising effort to raise money for Jesse Baird and has called on state's attorney Jesse Danley to miss charges filed against Baird, who pleaded not guilty to the charge during a recent court hearing. In other business, the board approved reducing the speed limit from 55 miles per hour to 40 miles per hour on a stretch of County Road 280 East, just northeast of Lake Paradise. Read Dave Fopay's meeting coverage at jg-tc.com for more information. 
Decatur Mayor Julie Moore Wolf announced during an interview on Byers & Co. on WSOY Thursday morning that she has tested positive for COVID-19. Moore Wolf said her symptoms are no different than what she typically experiences with fall allergies, but that she is quarantining along with her husband and daughter. Find more on what she has to say about the situation in a Herald interview story by editor Scott Perry. All right, so for education news, we have um, a story first out of Decatur. Reporter Valerie Wells on Thursday wrote that about 300 special education teachers will be considered employees of the Macon-Pyatt Regional Office of Education following a series of negotiations with the Decatur School Board. The Decatur School District has been the administrator for the Macon-Pyatt Special Education District, which meant that it handled state and federal funds for the specialized programs and oversaw accounting in the two counties. Under the arrangement, special education district workers were considered Decatur School District employees by the Teachers Retirement System and the Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund. Each of the school systems in Macon and Pyatt counties has a single vote on the regional board. Decatur school board members sought 50% of the votes to correspond with the number of students being served under the arrangement. The cooperative's board made the decision to name the regional office its administrative agent at a meeting on Thursday. Val goes into greater depth in her story at herald-interview.com. Val Wells also covered a lengthy Decatur School Board meeting on Tuesday when 16 district educators spoke or submitted comments for the school board meeting, all pointing to issues with the pacing of lessons, grading procedures, and oversight by administration in relation to remote learning. 30 Decatur public school teachers have been issued reprimands for failing to follow grading guidelines put in place for remote learning, a union official said, with some educators saying the district's expectations are unfeasible. Val includes quotes from the union president, Chrissy Pettit. The school district declined an interview request from the Herald Interview. More on this at herald-interview.com. Three parents of Cedar Ridge Elementary students spoke out on recent changes to the bilingual program during the McLean County Unit 5 school board meeting Wednesday night. District officials said the recent changes are part of district-wide shifts in classes for the hybrid class model. For students participating in remote and hybrid classes, bilingual education will remain mostly unchanged, Superintendent Kristen Weichel said. But students grades 3 through 5th who remain 100% remote will be assigned to a monolingual teacher. Read Panagraph reporters Kelsey Watsnauer's report at panagraph.com to hear why some parents are concerned for these changes. Illinois State University is anticipating having spent $46.2 million in COVID-19 related costs since July 1st. University officials said about $35.6 million of that is lost revenue, primarily from housing and dining. Reporter Lenore Sabota broke down these costs for our readers, so make sure you check that out for more information. One of the biggest expenses for the university this year is COVID-19 testing, which the university contracted with Reditis Laboratories of Pekin at a cost of 3 to $3.5 million. More information on that and the university's anticipated partnership with the University of Illinois are included in Sabota's report. Eastern Illinois University's COVID-19 testing facility drew a crowd Wednesday morning. The University and Coles County Health Department teamed up with the Illinois Department of Public Health and held a walk-up or drive-up testing event. Read Dave Fopay's report at jg-tc.com for more information. Fopay even talked with some of the people who were out getting tested that day. All right, let's talk about sports news. Sports reporter Matt Flotten wrote about the pandemic's impact on sports businesses. Matt writes, while businesses that involve gathering in gyms are particularly vulnerable during the COVID-19 pandemic, they're not only sports-related businesses either suffering or forced to make major adjustments. 
companies that sell sporting goods or offer screen printing and embroidery services, and restaurants that depend on pre- and post-game fan rushes around big sporting events are also feeling the effects. His story features a number of Central Illinois business owners who offer insight on what they have experienced during the pandemic, including Councilman Ronnie Walker, who owns Skywalker International Sports Complex in Decatur. On Monday, the Big Ten announced times for the first week of conference football games, and Illinois will play Wisconsin at 7 p.m. on Friday, October 23rd. The game will be aired on the Big Ten Network. Reporter Joey Wagner writes that in the first release of the schedule, Illinois was supposed to open the season on Friday, September 4th, against Illinois State. The Big Ten moved to a conference-only schedule and had the Illini set to host Ohio State on Thursday, September 3rd, before the conference was postponed. Read more about this in Joey's story at herald-review.com. Reporter Dave Fopay wrote Wednesday was the busiest day for field fires in Coles County in recent years, as the County 911 Center fielded 13 calls to area fire departments. The county, as well as McLean and much of central Illinois, were issued a red flag warning Wednesday due to fire risk with gusty winds and low humidity. In Mattoon, crews battled a brush fire along the Lincoln Prairie Grass Trail early Wednesday morning while receiving two other calls for services, including a structured fire. Read Dave Fopay and Rob Stroud's report on the fires at jg-tc.com, where you can catch photos as well as video of the events. Pantograph local news editor Allison Petty wrote about state health officials reporting 4,015 new cases of COVID-19, which they described as the highest one-day total for new cases since the pandemic began. The results came from 67,086 tests. The Illinois Department of Public Health also reported an additional 53 COVID-related deaths Thursday. IDPH said it was including both molecular and antigen tests in the statewide total starting Thursday. Previously, antigen tests were not included because of the limited number of those tests and the limited information about antigen test accuracy, officials said. Illinois is reporting a total of 331,620 cases, including 9,127 deaths since the start of the pandemic. More than 6.5 million tests have been completed. The preliminary seven-day statewide positivity for cases as a percent of total tests is 4.9%. Allison has several additional details in her story, which was posted across the three news websites at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Okay, now we have some quick bits of exciting community news. Construction of the long-awaited DeBrazas Monkey Exhibit is underway at Miller Park Zoo in Bloomington. Mayor Terry Renner was the first to break ground on the project during a ceremony Tuesday morning with construction expected to complete in late spring 2021. The exhibit will feature two DeBrazas monkeys, and folks, I am not particularly fond of monkeys, but these ones are just too cute. They are known for their olive green fur and their distinctive white beard. What's even better is that this pair of monkeys will be participating in the zoo's breeding program, so we can expect, or at least hope for, some future baby monkeys in the future. In addition, the habitat will include two red-flanked dwikers, a small antelope species that is just as cute. Check out my story and video at panagraph.com for more information on the upcoming exhibit. Ashmore Estates, a century-old Coles County building with a very interesting history, will be featured in an upcoming paranormal investigation. The crew members of popular YouTube series Haunt Me will be conducting the investigation for its seventh season. Ashmore Estates is a multi-story brick building located just north of Illinois Route 16, and the building operated as a home for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. 
Guys, I had no idea about this building, but I love a good ghost story, so I'm actually really excited to see how this show turns out. Check out JGTC's Dave Fopay's article at jg-tc.com for more information about this spooky investigation. The state's largest pumpkin is on tour in central Illinois. The 1,673-pound pumpkin grown by Henry Bartimus of DeWitt spent part of the day earlier this week at Gale's Pumpkin Patch in rural Beeson. And fun fact, Barnabas is the new Illinois state giant pumpkin grand champion. The Pantograph has photos and videos of the pumpkin on their website, and it's insane. It's it's massive. Have you seen this? I haven't seen the pumpkin, but I can... Well, actually, I have seen a photo of the pumpkin, but I can only imagine. I love this stuff. I love it. So I was particularly excited when I saw the story because I carved my first like pumpkin this weekend. Well, okay, I have not carved a pumpkin since I was a child, so it's not my first pumpkin but it's the first pumpkin I went to the store and bought and as an adult carved pumpkin <laughs> so it did not turn out good <laughs> in fact it's on my patio right now a squirrel has been eating it um the top of it was stolen pretty sure by the same squirrel so if anyone is in the Bloomington normal area seeing a squirrel run around with the top of a jack lantern it's mine please return to owner there will be no reward anyway but it was fun it was a good experience and then I made um, roasted pumpkin seeds. Have you ever done that? Actually, I have done that, and I actually attempted it this also this weekend. So, ah, <laughs> um, so I made this. I was craving some butternut squash. I have been since basically fall began, and I found this really nice um, roasted butternut squash pumpkin soup recipe, and. It was on Pinterest and I was like, oh, this this recipe is very simple. Like I shouldn't have an issue. I cook all the time. Well, I bought fresh butternut squash and a um, sugar pumpkin to use in the, the soup. And when I started this process, I realized I had never cut a squash or a pumpkin before for cooking purposes. So that I was like, oh my God, it was such a, it was a messy, messy process. Like I, I had cut it weird and like, you had to, I had to roast it and then wait for like the skin to get soft so I could get the skin off and then put it in the soup and stuff. But I mean, it turned out amazing. It's, it's amazing soup, but like I had never done that. I'm glad I did. Now I know. And then I tried to roast the um, seeds that, that came from the pumpkin though. It didn't quite succeed in that one. Okay. That, that knocks my pumpkin seeds out of the freaking like park because that sounds incredible did you take a picture of this or do you have the recipe so that we can share with people listening because it sounds incredible i do have the recipe i got it from pinterest.com but um <laughs> so it's not my recipe so i don't know if i could be like share it but if you want it and you can't find it on pinterest you could definitely email me and i'll just freely send the the recipe to you it's so simple it's just like butternut squash pumpkin and then um some nutmeg uh, and some other spices. I mean, it's, it's really simple. It's just like some, some regular spices. Um, oh my God. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds incredible. Um, the pumpkin seeds I made, I didn't even really follow a recipe. Like I had no clue what I was doing and I had no faith in this whatsoever, but they ended up turning out pretty good. I like dried the pumpkin seeds for like an hour. I put them on, I rinsed them after I like took all the guts out, whatever. And then I put them on a cookie sheet and well, I lined the cookie sheet with like melted butter, not like how you would normally do for a baking sheet where you like rub the butter on it, whatever. Anyway, irrelevant. So um, then I put like a bunch of spices, cumin, salt, pepper, red pepper, 
And just every, basically every spice I own, including, I don't know why I bought this, but turmeric, turmeric, I don't know how to say it. Turmeric. That, yes. I put that on there and it was so, so good. They came out crunchy and mm, they're very buttery though. We'll want a little heavy on the butter. <laughs> anyway, we are just very happy that it's fall. <laughs> so yeah, if um, you guys have recipes you want to share with us or pictures of your carved or painted pumpkins or pictures or videos of your Halloween decorations, tag us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Annalisa Tro, A-N-A-L-I-S-A-T-R-O. And my Twitter uh, is at PG underscore Sierra Henry and that's Sierra like Sierra Mist, the popular soda. Long Story Short can be found wherever you get your podcasts, including through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also find this podcast along with the reporting you mentioned today and subscription information at panicraft.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast and you want to support local journalism, leave us a review, give us a rating, and subscribe. And that's going to do it for us today, folks. See you again at 10 a.m. next Saturday for more Central Illinois news updates.